a Podcast One production. The truth about starting a business, crafting a career, having a family and managing to fit it all in. Superwomen We Ain't. From the founder of Boost Juice, Janine Ellis, and leading executive and career coach, Margie Hartley. Welcome to Superwomen We Ain't, season two. I'm Margie Hartley. And I'm Janine Ellis. Today we're talking about what goes up must come down. First, we're going to speak about the reality of business and careers. Second, this mindset of persistence. And thirdly, we'll talk about resilience. We need to acknowledge the truth. Careers will have highs and lows. Business will have highs and lows. It's inevitable. But it's really the way that we approach them that's important. To paraphrase Galileo, he said in his famous scientific experiment, what goes up must come down. It's so true. I I think of Boost in the early days with Boost. And, you know, we started in 2000 and we seriously, Margie, we were rocking it. Now, I didn't know we were rocking it because I'd never done business before. So I didn't know what we were doing was good or bad. But our business was, you know, we were opening stores. We had long queues. Our business year on year, we were 30% up. And I thought we we were invincible. 30% up year on year. Year on year, every single year. And you thought that was normal? Well, I didn't know. I didn't know it was normal or not normal. I didn't. I was the first time in business I was just working it out. And you do get arrogant. I thought I was the queen of retail. But life does teach you lessons. So we thought we'd do this other business called Tosses, which was like a salad bar. And, you know, the English guy didn't like it because apparently Tosses is a bit rude in England. Didn't know that at the time. But anyway, so when we started it, we thought, well, that's how hard is it? You open a store, people come, people buy, it's all good. What, what I didn't realise was that is actually that passion and the commitment of every single element of a business that actually makes a business strong. So that business failed. Now, Boost, however, was still flying, but it's in 2004, business went from comping 30% on year on year to actually starting to decline. And I didn't know at the time the rules that we're talking about today is what goes up must come down. And you, what don't you realise in business and in life, if, if you are on an unnatural incline, life will adjust it. So in 2004, we had probably more competitors than we knew what to do with. We people we got our first bad PR on the sugar and juices, which again still frustrates me because it's just fruit. But anyway, that's another conversation and another podcast, I'm sure. So. So we got hit by a number of things and suddenly our sales went from 30% up to 20% down and it happened for two years. And you don't have to be Einstein to work out what the numbers will end up if you continue in that trajectory. So yeah, obviously the first thing you do is panic. Second thing you do is you go into a corner and rock quietly. The third thing you do is actually look at the mirror. And the mirror was my absolute greatest tool because... So looking in the mirror, like things are going down, down. Yep. And you say, stand there and look at yourself. Yeah. Now, the reason why I say look at yourself is because before you even get to the mirror, the first thing that people do when things go wrong in their life and business is they look externally. It's not my fault. It's a current affair. It's not my fault. It's the landlords. It's not my fault. It's So as soon as you bl- push the blame to other people, you immediately disempower yourself to fix it. So that's what we were doing. Oh, my God, it's all going wrong. It's not my fault, clearly, because we're the queen and queen of retail. Can I just hold you there? Because you just said something really powerful. The minute we blame other people, you disempower yourself. That's a really strong statement. Well, it's it's life, isn't it? Because what happens is as soon as you say it is not my fault, 
as soon as you say that, it means there's nothing you can do about it. As soon as you say everything is my fault, you can then actively put things in place to do it. So that's why I use the analogy of a mirror. So as soon as I go, hang on, the problem is in the mirror. It's not externally, it's in the mirror. As soon as you look in the mirror and see where the problem is, that's when you actually can take control. Where did you learn that? through getting it wrong, <laughs> through blaming everyone, and that didn't work. <laughs> no, look, so for, so for me, it was like we blamed the world. Then I went, well, hang on, we've grown so quickly, then our infrastructure wasn't right. Our sales had gone down. Our stores weren't looking good. Our training was poor. So in actual fact, when I actually looked in the mirror, I went, hey, we could do a lot better. I can do something about this or we can do something we about can do this. We can do a lot about this. Right. And from that day in 2004 to today, that mirror is squarely sitting on my desk, not literally because that would just be vain, but it is seriously there because every day I go, how do I do it better? What do I not know? How can I learn? Because as we as we said at the start is what goes up must, must come, come down. down and then you need to work out why and how to do it. I often talk to my clients that losing a job is inevitable. People get quite shocked by that and say actually failing at a role or even getting the sack is actually a good thing for you because you have to look in the mirror. So you've got the mirror in business, talking about mirror in careers, and actually saying to yourself, what can I learn from that? Now, these are big things. They often can be really um, traumatic for people at a certain time in their lives but actually holding the mirror up and saying, what will I do differently? What have I learned? How might I move on in my career? Most things that happen in people's life that are terrible, most of the times people will come back and go, thank God that happened because of that. Mm. Like it's, people ask me, there's a couple of key questions that people ask me all the time. Tell me all the things that have gone wrong and what would you tell your 25-year-old self? Those mm. are two things people ask me. And my answer to the first one is tell me what went wrong and, and how did you fix it? The answer is, and this is an honest answer, is nothing actually went wrong. Did things go wrong? Of course they did. Of course we lost money, we got the wrong sites, uh, we got sued, we got, you know, we hi- hired the wrong people. Like I did everything wrong in every single book, I would have ticked every box. But would I change everything? No, not one thing. And the reason being is, was the lessons that I learned for all the things that went wrong to actually get to the business where it is today and I like the business. And that's the same answer I give to what would you tell that 25-year-old? The thing that made me successful was naivety. Now, if I went to that 25-year-old and said, sit down, grab a pen and write this down, she wouldn't have been able to achieve what she needed to do. She wouldn't have made the mistakes and she wouldn't have learnt the lessons that she needed to get to where she was. So in actual fact, don't see the negatives as being a the doomsday of your life. Embrace them of what you can learn, how you can change. Okay, so manage this expectations in your head that life will be linear, a steady rise up to the top, whether it's a career or business. Like, you know, we talk about, you know, at the start, right? So we're saying life is is not a, a linear journey. So I look at my life personally out of business and I go, okay, born in Ferntree Gully, you know, went on an amazing trip and travelled around the world, right? Worked for David Bowie, hung out with Mick Jagger, um, went to Grand Prix, went to went to the Cannes Film Festival, you know, talk about a high, mm-hmm. ended up 27, single mum, no money, living in Baronia, like down, 
right? Then, you know, and then you're up again. Like it's, it, life is that and it just accept it as life lessons. So to summarise the truth about business and careers, it's really about embracing all the ups and downs and actually knowing that the downs will come and to teach yourself to take the lessons along the way that are really important. The highs can make you lazy and arrogant, so watch out for those. So in the next part, I want to really explore this idea of the mindset. What mindset do we need to approach business and careers with to actually help us succeed if the inevitable is up and down? What life teaches us, Margie, like we've just been talking about, is that, you know, you have to be prepared for the roller coaster. And I must admit, I like the roller coaster a lot better than the merry-go-round because it's a lot more fun. But you do have to persevere with it because it's a lot more of a hairy journey. And perseverance is something that I think that we lack or uh, well, a lot of people lack, that ability to push through when it actually just gets hard. You know, even me, you know, I remember I was walking, I went to a um, health retreat called Arrowheart in New Zealand. And I remember I was walking up the hill and I don't like, I decided halfway up the hill that it was a bloody seven kilometres, every walk was up. I thought, I'm just not having fun. I just don't like it. So instead of pushing through, my brain started to go to, pretend I've got a sore knee. They'll have to take me down. Maybe I don't have to do it. Why do I have to do it? I'm paying money for this. I shouldn't have to do this. Like all my brain was going nuts and giving me excuses why I shouldn't have climbed up the hill. In the end, I said, Janine, suck it up, sunshine. Get on with it. Get up that hill. Put one foot in front of the other and do it. Right? You had a full conversation oh, with mate, yourself. I was very busy. I didn't need anyone else on that walk because I was very busy talking to myself. Right. <laughs> But it's that perseverance of being able to push through the pain of life and the physical plane to actually achieve your goals. Because as we mentioned before about that high ceiling and and not leaving it too low, but really pushing it up, to do that, it means it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable and you need to have perseverance to actually get there. So when you're talking about that, Janine, it's a bit like the conversation many people have in their head before they go to work. Oh, I might pull a sickie today. I can't be bothered or it's too hard or I'll just stay at this level. I won't go into the growth zone. I'm really interested to try and dig underneath this idea of the mindset of getting through stuff that's very uncomfortable, the pain that you described before. I'm working with this guy at the moment uh, for the retreat I'm going on called Paul Taylor. And he, he has a, he's a off the chart smart. And yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's a technical term for off the chart smart, but he's a professor anyway. And his business is Body Brain Performance Institute. And he's fascinating when you talk to him because he talks about all about how to actually work through the hardships and push through. I mean, he he's ex-Navy SEAL and so he's gone through all sorts of courses and you know, hardships to be able to really test how people work and he studies it. Anyway, one of the things he said to me was he goes, pain's not real, Janine, it's all in the head. And in actual fact... It's in the technical term, it's true, right? So you don't, when you cut your leg, you don't actually hurt in your leg. It's your brain saying that there's something sore on your leg. So in actually, and then the more you focus on your leg, the more the sore becomes sore, right? Same with any sort of heartache, right? Any sort of pain. So pain comes from the brain. I'm sure if you've broken your back, I'm sure it hurts, right? So I'm not saying that people are imagining pain. They're not, but I'm saying where it generates from is the brain. So once you know it's from the brain, it means you've now got control of it because you can actually control your brain. So if you are in an area where you're feeling like you're hitting that wall, you can actually talk your way through it. You can actually push through it. 
And I think perspective is a really interesting thing. For example, if you go to a third world country or go to an area where you've had to have really struggled, whether it's, you know, you're on hard beds or you're going without food or you see atrocities from other countries, funnily enough, you come back to Australia in this land of plenty and a land of opportunity and suddenly you stop complaining about the fact that the coffee took five minutes instead of two and a half minutes. And funnily enough, you stop complaining about the the fact that the meal that came, the eggs weren't quite done the way you thought they should have been. So perspective is a really important thing and I think we lose it. I think it's a really interesting era that we live in today with regard to perseverance and how we are in some respects soft. And I want I know we're going to be talking about that in the next section, but really it's that ability to move past what we think we're capable of and how we can train our brain to do so. I mean, there are so many great studies on neuroplasticity and how they used to think that, you know, once you're at a certain age, you're done. Now they're saying, you know what, you can change any thought you have or may have in the future. So really what I'm saying and trying to summarise is we have the control to actually wallow in our self-pity or or put barriers on what we can achieve or to unlock our full potential. So when do we give up? Because persistence, we can persist forever at something and actually just keep going around on the treadmill or on the mouse wheel for a long time. I get this idea of persistence and I really, really love what you're saying about keeping on going because many careers that I've seen that have flourished about people who just kept going. I've never seen a CEO who didn't persist to get to that level. But what about when we need to give up, when we need to let it go? We've spoken other episodes about planning and I think if you've got your goal to get to, then, you know, that's a plan. So you you persist to get to the plan. But like you just said, there is times where, and I've seen it in business, where people are throwing good money after bad and at the end of the day, the product is not working or it's just in the wrong area. Like tosses. Like tosses, right? Like, Sorry to bring that one up. Yeah, good on you. Let's talk about the war, shall we? So there is times when you go, actually, this one is not going to work. So there is a level of going, you know, you, you don't want to flog a dead horse for God's sake, but there. But I think that that's normally the exception. I find that people tend to give up too soon. It's like even with exercise or anything or that diet or that lifestyle, people just find it too hard and they'll give themselves, including myself, we're all capable of it, of giving ourselves excuses why we shouldn't do it. Like when I was climbing up that mountain, that imaginary sore knee or the cramp that doesn't exist that I was trying to make up to give me an excuse to not do it. Like with um, just another story with Paul, Paul's coming over and he's doing some training with me and it's hard. It's hard being trained by a Navy SEAL, right, Margie? It's really hard, right? You're doing it, but and, anyway. he has, and he has no sympathy, right? And so he doesn't let you off the hook at all. Doesn't. So we did this. Um, we did this eight-minute workout, right? And it, it is ridiculously hard. You think eight minutes? How hard is it? I can get through eight minutes, right? That's what I thought, right? I did this eight-minute workout. And I stood up, and I was exhausted. I couldn't even breathe. I was so. And he said to me, "Okay, we're going to do another eight. Immediately in my head, I went, "I'll tell him I've got an appointment. I've got to go somewhere." I can't do it. So it's immediately I found excuses why I didn't. Now, he was just testing my mental capacity and clearly my mental capacity was low because I was immediately going, I have another appointment to go to. But it's really interesting how what the brain does. Now, could have I done another eight minutes? Probably. Did I want to? No. But it's interesting where how easy it is to just stop. And you know I always say 
this statement, awareness gives you a choice. It sounds like your awareness around how your brain is working with persistence and through this exercise program is actually giving you some enlightenment around how you keep going. Absolutely. And it also is a real reflection on um, on how I'm thinking. And I find it really interesting actually because I do have, as as you do, we have soft pillows and we have a great life and we have, you know, whatever coffee we want in the mornings. And we do have a very um, soft life in some respects. So, you know, to per- persevere when it gets hard, is we're coming from a soft base. I think if you are a, you know, um, someone that lives in a different country or a, an adventurer, you know, perseverance is different to them than it is for, the, for most of us. And so I think that we have to be aware that it's okay to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be out of your comfort zone because that's actually where your goal comes from. That's where you're going to make mistakes. If you're not making mistakes, you're not trying hard enough. And I think it's important also for people to find the tools for them to do that. So you talked about thinking in your head, having that conversation, actually know when to stop the spiral, what I call the marble run of thinking. When we add one thing, I'll have an appointment, I'll get out of this, I don't really want to do this, he's not very good, I don't like him, I don't think I want to train with him anymore, which is a spiral that would go down in people's head. How to block how to stop and go, oh, that's really interesting. My head is trying to give me an excuse. Yeah. My thinking is trying to give me an excuse, an excuse, and how do we get out of that? Can I give you another analogy and tip that Paul yeah. Taylor gave me? I must admit, I, I leave Paul and I go to my husband. Now, Paul said this and Paul said that, and my husband's now going, I'm not sure I'm happy about you hanging out with Paul. But anyway, that's a side <laughs> thing. Well, another thing he gave me a tip was, and I thought it was great, and so I'm going to pass it on to the listeners. He actually said, imagine in your head that person that's, you know, that person that said you got a sore knee and there's an appointment, so please don't do the extra eight minutes. Who is that person? Give it a name, right? So I've called her um, Penny the Procrastinator. Now, Penny is, she's got curly hair. She's, I've pictured her, what she looks like. She's, she's got round shoulders. She's not very tall. She's, you know, she's got a bit of a sad face and she's just sort of sitting there. And you know what Penny does? When I want to get into the mat, she goes, you should do some laundry. And when I want to get to the mat, she goes, really, have you, have you finished those emails? Because the people are waiting for you. So Penny will give me a million reasons why I shouldn't go on my yoga mat and start yoga or go to the gym. So that's Penny, right? I've got this other girl, right? And she is hot, right? She's a warrior. She's got long hair. She looks like an Indian, right? Her name's Egora. I don't know why I've called her Agora, but that's what she's called. And she is that person who is going, come on, Janine, we're going to do it. We're going to actually go out there and if we say we're going to do five kilometres, we're going to do six today because that's what we're going to do. If I'm about to go on stage, she's the one that I call upon to go, come on, we're going to rock this. We're going to actually do it really well. So that's Agora. So quite often when I'm in situations since he told me this, I actually hear Penny coming in telling me that, you know, go and do some laundry. And then I go, no, I'm going to listen to Agora today. I know I'm sounding very Sybil-like. I'm sorry about that. But it is a a great way for for you to actually, because we all have them. I even got my daughter to draw characters of her, you know, Penny equivalent and Agora equivalent. And what he said to me, which I thought was a great idea, was sit in the car for 10 minutes and imagine Agora and going, how are we going to do today? And even when you think about it, your shoulders go back and you go, right, okay, we're, her and I are going to kill the world today. We're going to leave Penny behind in the car. Mm. So it's it's an interesting um, 
take on how to actually just think differently. And your tools for persistence, you've been drawing on them for years and years to get through Boost and now you've got something new to add to the toolkit. And that's what I love when I talk to you. I hear that you're always adding new things that enable you to do and meet your goals and to keep going and to persist and that your mindset is really, you know, going to be the mindset that serves you well. Yeah, look, it's quite funny, you know, over my years, I've dabbled into all sorts of things. And one of the things, I remember going to a psychic once and whether, I don't even know if I believe it or not, I'm not sure. I think people have intuition, but it's weird. But this psychic once told me that um, there was um, these guides that were following me and one of them was this warrior person. So even psychologically, I used to always try and not tap into my guide because I don't even know if there is a guide there, but I was tapping into that personality style of myself. And quite often when I used to do, well, I still do keynotes. When I go onto a keynote, I will think about her and go, come on, can you give me a hand here? Because I might need a bit of a hand on this one because, you know, this is a scary group. <laughs> and if people want to look at Amy Cuddy on TED Talk, she does very similar things in warrior poses. So it's like that you're actually intuitively picking up all the things that are being suggested. So in summary, find your person in you who can help you be persistent when everything around you, including the voice in your head, says give up. You're listening to Superwomen We Ain't with Margie Hartley and Janine Ellis. If you like listening to the show, please do get in touch on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button and continue to listen for free. So the other thing we want to talk about and finish with is resilience. So this is often talked about, and particularly in the last 10 to 15 years, people are talking about, oh, you need to be more resilient. Come on, get out and be resilient. But understanding actually the tools and the mechanisms for resilience is actually quite difficult. It's not just a matter of, I mean, you talked about sucking it up, but yes, sometimes it is that. But actually we have to have strategies and tools to help both our mind, our body and our emotions take us through things that are tough. I am, this one for me is a real worry of society. I think that the kids of today are are lacking in resilience. And in actual fact, if I can go and, you know, people walk down the street with banners saying, you know, don't do this, let's save the world. If I walk down the street, my banner would say, "Band participation awards. What? You know when the kids at school get, you didn't come first, Johnny, you came last, but here's a ribbon anyway. Oh, everyone gets a prize at Everyone the gets yeah, yeah, a yeah. prize, you know. Okay. The, and so there's no disappointments in no. life. No, and you know what they okay. do is, and what drives me mad is, is that it's not teaching the children that, do you know what, Susie, who actually won the race, actually trained every night. Mary, who came last, sat on the couch on her iPhone and didn't actually do it, right? So you're not rewarding people who are putting the effort in. And you know what? If Susie is naturally talented, reward her, you know? So, and it's okay because everyone will find the niche that they're good at. But this mentality of my Susie came home, you know, sad or my little daughter came home sad because she didn't get a prize, get over it. It's a good thing for that daughter to learn that, you know what? It's okay to feel sad when you didn't get what you want. It's called building resilience. And in business, how does that apply? So I I believe that building resilience is a learned, I mean, we're all born with a certain amount of resilience and we have to work that muscle. 
just like you're saying, we have to work the muscles so when the really big, bad, difficult things happen, we have a level of preparedness. Um, And if we think about you being fit, you actually are building up to a certain level of fitness so you can go and do more things. Resilience is the same. So if people who actually take the easy option and go for the comfort zone every time are not actually preparing themselves for life, just like you said about the participation awards for kids. So I'm interested in this idea in business, how do we be resilient when we're at work as adults? It's actually forgiving yourself with mistakes. So the first and foremost, we're not going to get it all right, right? And so So when we... expectation management? Expectation. So when you get things wrong... Instead of going, oh my God, going into a flap, is what can I learn from it? How do I fix it? And most importantly, own it. As soon as you go into the blame game of going, it wasn't my fault, you can't learn. As soon as it's your, not your fault, again, we're talking about this again, as soon as it's not your fault, you cannot learn the lesson. And the reason you can't learn the lesson is because it's suddenly someone else's fault. Hey, they have to learn the lesson. It wasn't my fault. It was that idiot over there, right? You can't, that's how it works. It's And I think it's interesting because you are born with a certain bias. You're born with either a positive bias or a negative bias. It does, you know, you're born, or another way of saying it, half empty and half full, glass half empty, half glass half full. That doesn't mean, though, if you're born with a negative bias and you're, you're normally a bit of an Eeyore, doesn't mean you can't actually work on becoming more positive and work on your resilience. You know, there's a new term, I don't know if you've heard, it's called post-traumatic growth. Now, this post-traumatic growth is when people have gone through terrible trauma and have actually come out stronger. And there's people that come out stronger from it and there's other people who come out weaker from it and they become that victim. So it's really, it's really as we're growing up to develop that resilience in them to be able to deal with the negatives that happen to us. And if we raise our children to be in cotton wool and helicopter parents and not allow them to make mistakes and not criticise them and not actually give them a reality check, then we're not doing them any favours. So being resilient when you've lost a job or you've got a really terrible manager and you've got to turn up to work every day or there's someone toxic in the workplace can be really difficult. It's very, it can take a lot of your energy. So if we've built the muscle beforehand and we've pushed ourselves a little bit, it, those sort of circumstances will help us persist and come through it. One of the things that we do know in positive psych is this idea of hope. And if we have lost hope in our sense of being able to have somehow or some control to actually achieve our goals that we have for ourselves, then we're less likely to be resilient and less likely to manage. So we have to actually go a little bit deeper and say to ourselves, what is it that we can see in terms of our future that we have control of? So we're holding a few things in our hands here. We're holding a mindset, this idea of conversations with your alter egos. We're talking about actually really finding some simple tools to help us reframe and get through our day, but have autonomy, like we control Mm. our future. And I think that's a really good point. It's actually taking accountability. So for example, you mentioned before about bad bosses, right? We've all had them. I now sit here and think about all the bad bosses I have had. I now sit here and think about all the bad bosses I've had, and actually I'm quite grateful for them. The reason being is they taught me what I didn't like. So I learned more from the 
what I didn't like than what I did like. How did you cope at the time? What were the things that the strategies and tools you used to actually be more resilient during that time? Well, it's actually the negatives actually affect you more than the positives. So that reaction, so for example, right, so I worked for uh, Village Roadshow and it was actually a great company to work for, but my direct boss was a nice guy, but when I was in Singapore, I had turned that whole cinema around. It was going from a negative to then making profit. I was working six days a week, 12-hour days, right? I was really, really going hard. He came in and said to me, Janine, um, you're, um, you're the top that you're wearing, you've got your arms cut off, right? So, you know, you've got instead of sleeves, I didn't have sleeves. And I thought, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me that out of all the things that I have done well, you're talking about the fact that I haven't got sleeves in Singapore at 40 degrees? Like, are you kidding me? And I was I was really, um, I know that people listening might go, that's nothing. But really, for me, I was like, because I was busting, I was busting my balls, right? Mm. And so consequently, when I actually went into business and started a business, I went anyone who comes to work for me can wear whatever they like, right? They can come in in shorts. If you're a lawyer or an accountant, come in in shorts and thongs. I don't care because I care about your outcome. If you're actually comfortable in um, tracky decks, knock yourself out. You know what? Bring your dog, right? So, so So in actual fact, that lesson there taught me that. So I'm pleased. I thank that manager because mm. he then taught me how to work it. So without knowing uncomfortableness, without developing resilience, then I wouldn't be the manager that I am today. I do a lot of reframing at the time. I coach myself. I've actually taught myself to coach myself through things so I become more resilient. I'm fascinated about what you do at that time. Oh, at the time I did what most people think. I thought, fuck you. I felt like it was really unfair. I felt that I had worked so hard that I, and I suppose my expectation was that he was going to come in, really. I thought he was going to come in and basically tell me how amazing I was. So I had set my bar really high and thinking, I'm going to, he's going to tell me how great I am and I've done this and I've done that. Look at the team and I'm not. And instead he said that. So I, I think it was such a big come down that I did go, you know what, fuck you. I thought, how dare you, after all that, only comment on that? And to be honest, in retrospect, was it a big deal asking me? Yeah, no. But I think it was just my expectations were so high that I managed. But, but what the point is, though, I took it in as a lesson of how right I at the felt. Time, at yeah, that moment. At that moment. Now you had to talk to yourself in your head? Did you have any, or uh, did you go and talk to somebody Oh, yeah, else? I had Penny there. I had I had everyone there sitting there going, yeah, what do you think? Agora, yeah, I think he's a nickhead. What do you think, Penny? Yeah, no. So, yes, we, we had a whole conversation with our, all my friends. In the head. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so you think about it, you reframe it, you talk to yourself about it, or do you go and talk to others? No, there was no one to talk to us in Singapore. You know, I had my two-year-old son there. He wasn't going to give me any sympathy. So, no, so you just deal with it, you know. And I, but, but the thing is, though, one of the great things about that experience in Singapore was it was, I said 12 hours, it was probably more like 16 hours a day. You know, it, it developed resilience. It developed, you know, climbing that mountain and getting to the top. And so all of those hard things that happen in business, embrace them. Even when you're in the moment, when the boss is being, you know, in your opinion, not being very fair, or if you find it's just too hard, know that it is actually creating resilience and creating a better you. Okay, I like this. So thriving through 
or despite adversity rather than just surviving. So we're thinking about how do we thrive despite adversity and I'm hearing you say have the right perspective in the moment. Know that it's going to be worthwhile and useful and that you've got some actually avenues to get out of this. Here's an analogy I was thinking about just then. You know when you're doing really hard exercise, right, and you've gone really hard, nearly to a point where you want to vomit that hard exercise. Rarely, but anyway, yeah. yeah. Recently, right, Um, your muscles at the end of the day hurt, right? There's pain involved. But the pain, what that does is that pain is split fibres. And then what happens is those fibres become stronger. So in actual fact, it's the pain and the going to extreme that actually enables you to take that next step up. So next time I do exercise, I'm stronger. So don't, I know it's say, I know it's easier to say in hindsight, but it's okay for it to be uncomfortable. Great. So like any other skill, you need to build on it. You, you need to get outside your comfort zone and embrace these hardships and failures in life. And if we think about it at the time, it's actually around having the perspective that it will be useful in the future. What I'd recommend is if people pick up a book, try and make it a biography of whether it's the McDonald's one or Starbucks or the Flight Centre story. Those stories tell us, and, and I just read Elon Musk's book, great. They tell stories of hardship and how they use that hardship to become really world leaders in business. Great tips, Janine. Thanks so much. On our next episode, we're going to talk about how to stay motivated. Superwomen We Ain't is a Podcast One production recorded in the studios of Podcast One Melbourne. Executive producer is Grant Tothill, produced by Brooke Carrigan, audio by Darcy Thompson. Listener.